Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. We have a Bald Move Pulp movie. Me and Jim are kind of delighted that we get the... We, we don't have any uh, appointment pulp that we have to do this week, so we could actually mm-hmm. do like a fucking pulp movie. And guess what? It's the 25th anniversary of the release of Star Trek First Contact, a.k.a. Yeah. the only great next generation Star Trek movie. Oh, yeah. I think you can argue that some of the others are fair or decent, but this is the only one that like I, I, I actually unabashedly love. Mm-hmm. Um, came out in 1996. I was just a baby. Uh, yeah. It stars all the original cast. Uh, Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis. It adds Alfre Woodard, who turned out to be a really fucking good actress. Uh, you've seen her in Captain America Civil War, Luke Cage, 12 Years a Slave. She got nominated for an Academy Award for Cross Creek. James Cromwell, who mm-hmm. you've seen in the Babe Pig movies and Green Mile, <laughs> LA Confidential. New, new Pope. Finally. Yeah. The New Pope, right. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Alice Creege. Uh, who I have enjoyed of late in the Christmas Prince trilogy on Netflix. She's also featured in Thor The Dark World and got her start in Chariots of Fire. Hmm. Uh, it's directed by Jonathan Frakes, yeah. the Commander Riker, and it was based on a screenplay written by Brandon Braga and Ronald D. Moore. Um, Jim, what do you think of this movie? Uh, I love this movie. This is easily... Without a doubt, my favorite Star Trek movie, original series included. I know a lot of people love Wrath of Khan. It's just not quite my era of Star Trek. This is right in my wheelhouse, man. I love the crew of TNG. I love how much fun they have with this movie. You can tell, like, there are scenes with Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis where it's just, like, obvious. They're having a ton of fun uh, filming this thing. And so I have a ton of fun watching it. And I, I think it's... You know, it's in the tradition of those old older Star Trek movies. Um, this thing gets going right off the bat. You kind of get a couple of cool shots of Enterprise and a slow moment or two. But then, bam, the story just gets a, a crisis happens and the story goes. Uh, yeah, it's very action oriented. Uh-huh. Uh, doesn't, you know, have a lot of big picture things to say. Um, thematically, it, it gets there, though, I think. Um, and it's an interesting there. side of, of Picard that we don't often see. And and what saves it is this how just like based in the characters everything is like yeah. you know that is like this is first of all you got one of the great Star Trek villains of all time before it had kind of gotten diluted by some you know uh, <laughs> familiarity breeds contempt from Voyager sure so you got you got an apex Star Trek villain yeah uh, you got an A plus but you got you got a, a Shakespearean performance by Patrick Stewart that actually calls for it you know yep. like this like. Yep. This gets really fucking operatic in places, literally. (laughs) Literally. It's got time travel, Um, which is one of my favorite subjects. Time travel, which is anything. So, so my favorite Star Trek film, and maybe we'll get to do it because I know it's uh, 35th anniversary is coming up soon. But uh, the the Voyage Home, the the one about the whales, yeah, um, does have some in common. Yeah, Star Trek Four. They they Mm -hmm. go back in time. I think Star Trek Four. 
a lot of these Star Trek movies are a lot shakier on like the science stuff. Like, for example, uh-huh. the Enterprise is, uh, is patrolling the Romulan neutral zone that started this movie, and they just decide on a whim to go back to Earth to save it from being attacked from the Borg, and they get there while the battle is still raging. Like, that is, as far as I can understand, a several week long trip. You're going to the very edges of the border of the Federation to its very heart. But they they get there in a couple hours. It, it's shit yeah, like that. The time Goose travel the engine. rules it's, are very <laughs> sure. It's the, the defeat. They, they activated the special defend Earth uh, this top military speed. Yeah, but, but but the thing is, is it doesn't matter because what this movie knows probably because Jonathan Frakes, I think, is a pretty good sci-fi director. Is that the action and the plot can be a little silly as long mm-hmm. as the, you care about the characters and you clearly understand their motivations. And you understand the stakes mm-hmm. and you are completely locked in on all of those on like three separate plots. Um, and it's just it's great. It's it's yeah by far, far and away the best modern Trek film. Yeah. And I think the script is, you know, it might have a couple holes here or there, but mostly it's pretty tight. There aren't a lot of why don't they just kind of moments where there are in like regular Star Trek episodes like why don't they just solve Mm. this with the transporter why don't they just solve this with Mm. the whatever and they have to like patch a bunch of things like oh the ionization of the the reverse nanoparticle yeah they don't have to do a ton of that shit here uh because you know once once you're back in time and you destroyed the Borg and now they're on their your ship then there's not a lot you can do about that uh easily especially once they have control of engineering so yeah I I think it, it, yes, there are a couple of holes, but I, I don't really notice them too much. Uh, and so this whole movie feels like it's pretty tight. And then when you get to the characters, then yeah, the characters that we spent at this point, 96, at Star Trek Next Generation's run was over yeah, entirely. We were entering our 10th we're like year of fourth of DS9 season. Yeah, so I yeah, so yeah. I love these yeah, we characters third, already. We were, in, we were we were in the third Voyager season. Oh shit! Right, those were running concurrently, weren't they? Concurrently, yeah. They don't. I think uh, Deep Space Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine <laughs> got like a one or maybe two yeah. season jump on it, and then yeah, they just cranked another one out. And then also, this movie looks, I think, great. Um, they've taken all the stuff For that you're familiar 40 with. Forty million dollar budget. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. there are a couple of yeah. shaky effects, like the Borg queen stuff is a little shaky here or there uh when you first introduced to her but it's after that it gets years better later too um, but but they've updated the lighting they've updated a lot of the sets yeah. they've updated the uniforms um yeah just it, all around it looks like more money has been put into this thing you, yeah the 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 lighting actually really impressed me in this mm-hmm yeah uh, that's the thing like you know I, i've gone back and kind of reevaluated generations as you think generations is terrible I actually think it's a pretty good like uh-huh. double episode Star Trek the Next Generation with with just noticeably better lighting. It, but like right, that's the yeah. thing that this this forty million dollar budget comes because they have to build very little in the, in the way of new sets. Like they cannibalized the uh, sick bay from Voyager. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, uh, the the I forget where they got the bridge from, but like almost everything is uh, the the engineering was a redressed Next Generation set. Um. Hmm. Like most of the stuff other than like the deflector dish set, probably. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, the shit that they did in the holodeck, uh, most of the stuff was, honor. was, yeah. And, and most of the stuff was, was in existence. Um, gotcha. but it does. Yeah. I think I, I, that's one thing I was kind of 
dreading when I was watching is like, oh man, is this going to have aged poorly? And it hasn't really. And you mentioned the script. I was reading some of the background on this. Like, we dodged some fucking bullets, man. Uh, one of the earlier scripts was suggesting that the in, the uh, uh, Enterprise, the Borg go back to the uh, Renaissance period. <laughs> when we have a and whole try movie. to destroy, like, modern civilization before it even, and, like, you know, they're going to have Data become a, well, that's a princess the- to Da Vinci, and Picard is going to be wearing <laughs> tights, and there was going to be a no. sword fight involving, no. bo- like... I was looking at this. I'm like, who jumped in the way of this bus and took the bu- and and got bodied because they are right. a hero. I, I love uh, those scenarios in a weekly format where I know this is just going to be a fun week and next week you'll have right. you'll get back to regular Star Trek. But oh, right. as a movie, no. But but some of those impulses, I think you start to see not be suppressed in future next generation you know movies like for sure you know, fuck it you know why not why not have an all-terrain vehicle why not have data singing <laughs> Gil, Gil, gilbert and sullivan show tunes why not you know it's like it's I, I it, do, it gets a little much i do think there are good why not reasons for that like i can tell you why the borg wouldn't want to go back that far because i think you know part of the borg i mean the borg are always about you know we're going to add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own they don't want renaissance tech they don't want oh we just invented a catapult no no they want the good tech trying to find a sweet spot between Uh technological development and and lack of resistance oh you can destroy yourselves with nuclear weapon great great we want that shit we eat that for Mm -hmm. lunch (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so makes sense uh where do we go from here? Do you want to? Uh, I mean, cause I've got like just shit tons of notes. I know uh, people things- are probably super familiar with this movie if they're interested in a first contact podcast, but maybe we should run down the plot. Exactly oh, what happens because we've, right. we've mentioned a lot of it, but haven't done that. Uh, this, this has a similar structure structure to Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan in that an old foe. Uh, with a mm-hmm. lot of enmity between the the captain uh, returns. In this case, it's the Borg, a, a biological col- or a, a, um, a cyborg collective um, that has crossed swords with, from from a far flung reach of the galaxy. It's crossed swords with the Federation many times. Had personally captured and enslaved Captain Picard in a very memorable two part arc in uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Something that keeps coming up throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the Borg have come and they're coming straight to Earth. It's it's the invasion kill stri- stroke that the Federation has been dreaded for years and years. And Picard's been sidelined because Starfleet Command does not want him to 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 be there and be an unstable element. Of course, Earth gets attacked. It's a desperate battle. Picard can't can't obey orders and stay at the neutral zone for the whole thing. He has to come in there, saves the day, blows up the ship. But the Borg are able to send a probe back in time and they're they're going to Borgify the whole fucking world. Well, Captain Picard can't stand that. And uh, he orders his ship through the temporal wake to follow the Borg into the early the mid 21st century on the eve of mankind's contact with the Vulcan uh, Empire, the Vulcan race, the Federation, essentially mankind reaching out and joining the Starfleet. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Borg are going to stop all that unless Picard can track him down and, and, and kill them all. So yeah. that's the stakes. All of humanity. Uh, very high. Uh, against a foe that Picard is traumatized and triggered by. Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go. 
And uh, will he will he be able to do it? Uh, there's there's so many great plots because there is the Earth plot, the Zephyrin Cochran plot, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 mankind's first warp drive plot. There's Data being seduced by the Borg. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Picard's personal battle against you know his white whale and and uh, war against his uh, worst nature. Um, how do you want to start talking about this, man? Uh, maybe we can start with Picard because the movie kind of starts with Picard, right? I mean, the, the idea that Starfleet doesn't quite trust him with a Borg scenario. Um, why, do, why do you think that is? They call him an unstable element. Do you think it's because they know there might be some uh, want for revenge? Or do you think it might be because they think he's compromised and could be still influenced by the Borg? I think that for sure Picard is in reality emotionally compromised. And mm-hmm. star now whether it's wise to keep Picard away from the battle, you know, like uh, evidence would say it, it wasn't. I think sure, uh, you know, Picard could have turned the battle a lot quicker and saved a lot of lives because he has that unique um, connection to the Borg. Mm-hmm. Somehow he's still like able to hear their whispers and whatnot. There's still a little and bit he, of cybernetic shit in his brain, and he also just has the knowledge of of the way that the Borg construct their ships now. And they, I don't know if they've been faced with another Borg cube between best of both worlds and and now mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i can't quite remember but he would know how to you know hit its weak point and he does exactly right. that right um but I, I i don't think it's i don't think it's as crazy as everyone on the enterprise thinks that like maybe we keep this guy who has this sure. weird connection to the borg who's still obviously traumatized the you know, when he shows up for his mental, uh, his, his annual mental health checkup with uh, Troy, he sits down and just starts screaming, Borg, you know, like, <laughs> uh-huh. so, Captain, how are you, Borg? Yes, it's, it's, I can see, I can see where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah, the body horror stuff at the beginning of this is pretty Do you great. remember, Jonathan Frakes directed a episode of Picard that featured like some real squeamish body horror too. I think secretly Frakes likes horror. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's actually, you know, cause he's done a lot of genre work. Uh, I wonder if he's actually directed any or just straight up horror stuff because yeah, I, I noticed Could there's be. a lot of, a lot, especially in the early goings of the Borg when they're taken over to ship. Yeah. It is shot like a conventional horror film. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a drill going into Picard's eye at some point. Oh. You know, the Borg tech pops out of his cheek while he's looking in the mirror. Then you got that dub. That's that's classic double fake at. You know, you got the uh-huh. the the drill going in the eye, and then it actually makes contact. Like ah, oh. and then Picard's like, oh, terrible. I'm still processing all this trauma. What a terrible nightmare. Splash face on the water. Ah, stuff exploding out of your face. It's mm-hmm. great. It's 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 a it's a good jump scare. I know it got me back in the day. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Picard has some kind of sixth sense almost for the Borg. He's got some connection lingering because he's having nightmares about them as they show up. Did he know that they were here? I don't I don't think he knew that I they were here so. until he walked out onto the bridge and and somebody comes up and says. It's the Borg or or he gets like a call that says and he goes, I know it's the Borg. It's because they've fucked with the environmental controls and turned it into a humid hothouse. It's uh, oh, I thought it was way before that at the beginning, the very beginning of this movie. Doesn't he oh, get a call from someone maybe. or a report well, or something? Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what you're referring to. Okay. And I think he's already had this nightmare and he's like, yeah, I know the Borg. Mm. He's got uh, six, but they, they established it. Yeah, he can like hear whispers like 
data outright communicates with them through it uh-huh. at the end of the movie. So it is something kind of like a, a supernatural link. Um, here's something I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the sovereign class starship? The, the Enterprise, Enterprise E. Not my favorite. I prefer D. I think they got a little too yeah, busy. <laughs> I prefer the D. Uh, I think they got a little too busy with E. I think E has too much Azteking, too much going on on the surface, and I don't understand the real reason for it. So there's probably some bullshit tech reason, um, but I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, it seemed like in that era things were going cruftier, and you know, and they've gotten like, way cruftier since. Like, yeah, holy yeah, shit, like, the new stuff is Aztec to hell and back. Yeah, like you know, like look at this, and and then you get like the ultra realistic stuff they're doing on the Expanse, where everything is just like you know completely opposite of conventional starship design. And oh, sure, I, yeah. I like. I'm with you. I I I really like the Sovereign's lines. Mm-hmm. I really like how it's kind of like a compromise between the uh, Excelsior class, like yeah, the, the small, long and sleek, and 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 also the the D. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you are right. The, what you call the Azteking, just the like needless plaything, and but but I yeah. think that's also they're they're since these movies tend to be more action oriented. I think the Sovereign also looks a bit more nakedly military. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah, I heard the the guy who did the uniforms, um, the longtime mm-hmm. costumer uh, for Star Trek, actually militarized their uniforms specifically. Was trying to make it more militarized, right? So which yeah, is, I think they came away with a more military look to all this, which is a bummer because that's like mm-hmm. you know not core Star Trek, but it does make a, a you know a cool looking uh, action piece for this this movie. And when you're talking about the era of DS Nine, DS Nine was a more militarized show. By far. Um, yeah. I mean, they're on a Cardassian space station, uh, which looks military as hell. Hard angles everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the uniforms that they created for this, I guess, went back into DS9 some, in season Did five they? somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, that show had a harder edge to it. And I think they were kind of leaning that direction with Star Trek as a whole at that point. What do you think of Jordy showing up with blue eyes? Uh, I think it's great. I, I really, you know, his banana clip is classic, but mm-hmm. this is like a future futuristic look. It just gives it another layer of something cool to do. And it didn't feel like Jordy, you know, would have a problem with this. I mean, I think he's always wanted to, have some kind of like quote unquote normal eyes. I don't know, but these are clearly bionic, right? They're, there's some oh, kind yeah. of like machine eyes that still let him see, I think in the spectrums he's used to. They're just, or like definitely. I don't, I, I, yeah. Like it, we get a good POV of him. He's able to do the thermal stuff uh-huh. and, but, but yeah, they're definitely bionic. Um, and I think, I think they're cool too. I think it's they look cool. Things where it's they're like very striking. The, the banana clip is iconic, but, uh, you know, LeVar Burton has been fighting with one dramatic hand tied behind his back the whole series. Now mm-hmm. he's able to get his eyes out. Some of the most expressive part of your features. And I think LeVar, LeVar Burton doesn't have a lot to do in this movie, like a lot of the background characters, but he he does a lot with what he's got. Um, yeah, actually, I think they, they did a good job with everyone that like almost all of the original crew had a chance to shine, had like a purpose built mm-hmm. scene written for them where they could stretch their stuff because 
obviously the things are going to be dominated by Picard and Data. Oh, for sure. Even Barkley yeah. gets one, right? Red gets even in there with br- fucking. They bring Barkley back. Quick That's scene. So great. Um, did you see we 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 so we didn't talk about uh, some of the guest stars too. Uh, oh yeah, Adam Scott shows up as the helmsman for the Defiant. Was that him? I. It was fucking Adam Holy Scott. Absolutely, shit. I thought he would be he, way too young at the time, but I guess not. He he. Tra- what well, that's the thing. Adam Scott is like Paul Rudd old, and yeah. they just these guys are not aging. Um, <laughs> Lieutenant Hawk, the character is played by Neil McDonough. Yeah, uh, who I love from Band of Brothers. I love from the, the heaviest Justified Three. I don't know why this guy's not a bigger star. I think mm-hmm. he's great. Um, but he, uh, Adam Scott, apparently auditioned for this role, didn't get it, but he's a big Star Trek fan. So he's like, I'll take, I'll take anything. I'll take borderline extra. Um, but I thought that's fun. And they also, uh, the other memorable cameos is they got Ricardo. What's the guy at the emergency, emergency medical hologram, a Picardo, Robert Picardo, Picard- yeah. Robert Picardo. <laughs> uh, they got him and whoever the fuck plays Neelix. Yeah. I don't know his name uh that's that was i remember that being fun because i'd already kind of like you know checked out of voyager i I think i stopped following them around the second season but Uh still you know i i actually thought the emh was a great character oh yeah and the emh he's my favorite character from voyager uh i had to pick it's it's him and then it's janeway but like He's great. Uh, I, I hated Neelix in Voyager. So, oh, God, Neelix is the fucking worst. Yeah, having him show up was not cool. But it, I don't know. Also, they, they gave an update to kind of everybody's look as well, right? Even the regulars. Uh, Gates McFadden looking Gates great. Gates McFadden in has this never looked fucking foxier. Go ahead. No, <laughs> you know, I, I want to hear I, more I, about Gates McFadden looking Foxy. Uh, well, I was just going to say, if you if you if you show up to our Star Trek live watches, you know that I kind of have a thing for the chief medical officer of the the Enterprise, yeah. and sh- her cut, her highlights, mm-hmm. makeup, the you know ev- everything is just yeah, yeah. They've got like three different colors or something going on in her hair. It's very intricate, it's, but it it's, looks it's, fantastic. It's, it's, yeah. 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 It, it's like, I just want to just want to brush it. Marina yeah. Sirtis gets to let her hair down literally a bit in this. Yep. Um, Cause it's yep. normally tied back, but here, not, not, not rocking the, the beta zoid frizz. Uh huh. I, I want to yeah. say the only person who maybe has a worse haircut in this is Jonathan Frakes. Which is ironic, considering he had the most control <laughs> over anything you're in this production. Right, you're right. He was just a little, yeah, it's a little yeah, spiky, a little, little tousled, yeah, little, yeah. little kind of uh, not regulation. Yeah, uh, I remember him being kind of sloppy looking in uh, Generations too. I think he was wearing a uniform oh. three sizes too small for him, but also, yeah, the, the <laughs> hair and makeup wasn't really working. Um, I, I want to play a game with you in this podcast. This is going to be the first install. Oh boy, okay called cool or cringe mm-hmm. you know uh, we like stuff as a kid some of that stuff doesn't age some of that stuff in retrospect is cringe uh sometimes fuck it it's still cool uh data's rebellious to hell with our orders mm-hmm. C- controlled look around the bridge to, 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 to check the temperature of the room cringe <laughs> or cool cool it, it, it let, it's the first indication you have that his emotion chip is still on or that he turned it on, right? Uh, since the, the end of Next Generation. Unfortunately, you're incorrect. The correct answer was cringe. Was the correct it? Answer, Why uh, is the correct like answer the, cringe? 
because because there is some good data stuff in this movie mm-hmm. and i feel like because data is a fan favorite that just like in generations where they went way the fuck overboard on this stuff and then um, most of the star trek movies they they commit this in uh they just they just put a little bit too there's just a little too much i don't know like data comes off like a hall monitor here like hmm. this movie's pg we've cursed in star trek before I don't think we need to do. I don't know. It, it just. It, I. I think it's cringe. I think it's cringe. Okay. But uh, we're fifty-fifty on this one. <laughs> I might. I might trade with you. <laughs> well, I. I want to see what other ones you have. If you haven't gotten all of them by the end, I'll. Yeah, you can. You can. Pull, you can definitely uh, pop some uh, uh, cooler cringe questions to me. Okay. I got another one. I got something else to talk about. All right. This is the definitive answer to. The, uh, the 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 phenomenon of warfing. Worf kicks so much ass in this movie. You know, the, 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 do you know the, the what I'm talking about? The concept of uh, a character being warfed. Uh, yeah, just getting their ass kicked by anybody and everybody, even the so even though they're supposed to be the badass. I don't know. Yeah, like like Worf is the the heavy of Star Trek, and mm-hmm. he is the the most powerful dynamic character, and yet. And and because of that, if the show wants you to take uh, a, a new big bad seriously, they just have him come and just kick Worf in the nuts, throw yeah. him through a bulkhead, flip him on his back. You know, it's just just all kinds of things. Which can this backfire. Movie, but yeah, it can backfire because then it's like, well, how fucking tough is? <laughs> right. I've seen his ass. I've, he's like, you know, this old lady's handed his ass. Yeah, she's a shapeshifter. This 98 year old admiral's thrown him through a bulkhead. Yeah, he's got a parasite <laughs> inside of him. But like, come on, Worf. Right. But Worf kicks so much ass in this movie. He's super cool. He does. Yeah. Him and Data, the pair of those two are incredibly cool in this movie. That's the other thing As I love any time that Data gets to kick ass because, mm-hmm. you know, Data's mild mannered. He doesn't have an ego, but like he's also a robot. And when he goes into kill mode, it's just next snap, <laughs> next snap, next snap, next snap. Yep. And it's so much fun to watch him wade through a fucking army of Borg snapping nets. Hell yeah. No, that's one of the best scenes in the movie is when they get into those hallways for the first time and things go wrong and they have to fight their way out. That's fantastic. Um, okay, another installment of Cooler Cringe. This is going to be a, a, a controversial one. The casting of Zephram Cochran, mm-hmm. James Cromwell. Cool or cringe? Incredibly cool. It's, I, I love James Cromwell. I think he's perfect in this role. Do you think that he play because like the thing about Zephyrin Cochran is he's like this these these this blend of unlikely characteristics. He's like very mercantile. He's like the worst of our capitalistic instincts before we cast them off into the beautiful, yeah. uh, you know, fr- free post scarcity Star Trek. He is kind of a slovenly drunk and he's also a brilliant scientist. I feel like Cromwell does two of those three things really well. And the other stuff is pretty fucking. And and the 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 other thing is cringe. Which, which one the, do you think I don't think he does well? Uh, the, the brilliant scientist. Yes. Okay. Strangely, yes. Yeah. He doesn't. Cha- he does not seem like a smart person in this film. And he's James Cromwell. That should come free. <laughs> it does come free for me. He doesn't do anything that seems smart. Right. All he does is flip a couple switches. That's the smartest thing he does in this whole movie. Flip some switches and and. It, it pop a, a neon disc into a drive. Uh, you're right. There is no demonstration. There's no display of his intelligence. And he plays the other parts of that so well 
like the the drunk the uh mercantile nature you almost think maybe he's not that smart but he built the ship like like what i needed to see him do is like there should have been like a debate between jordy and like barkley about some kind of obscure warp drive and he comes in there and corrects them like no 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 no, it's actually this thing and this thing but like it just feels like this thing this is all just happening to him yeah like I kind of doubt that he would have got to space and meet the Vulcans <laughs> if it hadn't have been like this is a paradox. Like if the Borg hadn't attacked, I don't think mankind uh-huh. makes first contact because this guy's not doing it. You he might be right. Fucking senior crew, bridge crew, the the bailout is fucking hobby project. You know? Yeah. No, I've I've got so many questions about the time travel stuff and the change of scenario here and how it affects history and all that stuff. So. We'll get to that stuff. But yeah, I really like James Cromwell. I, I like that you brought up this like capitalist, um, you know, instinct that we have. Um, and and it kind of pairs really nicely with the need for revenge that Picard experiences later. Because these are True. all things that we're talking about having grown beyond by the 24th century. And mm. It, mm. it shows us that like, okay, they have grown beyond money, right? But there's still this kernel of humanity. Money money is like a human construct that I don't think is ingrained in us. But no. revenge, revenge absolutely is. Like there's some yeah. kind of Lizard need for shit. you did something wrong to me. I need to get some justice. I need to get payback for that. And I, I love the, the pairing of the two in this movie. Yeah, that's some, that's some good analysis. Um, I want to go back to Cromwell real quick. Yeah, please. 90% of Cromwell not working as a smart guy is his fucking hat. True or false? <laughs> true. True. I mean, what the <laughs> fuck? Because like, okay, in the next installment of Cooler Cringe. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the 21st century clothing? Uh, it, it's not what I'll be wearing in 2064. But I'll fucking wear Picard's peat jacket right now. Peat jacket right now. Like yeah, that, that, that wool. That, that like wool trench trencher uh, is like, yeah, I'll, I'll walk. I'll wear it right the fuck now. All right. Uh, I won't be wearing what Data's wearing anytime soon. That's for sure. Everything is like Data's piping. It, it's like, yeah. you know, kind of quilted piping looks. Um, a lot of wools, a lot of like heavy materials. I assume there's some nuclear fallout that's you know causing the i don't know we get global warming and then it reverses because of the nuclear fallout yeah, who all, knows all what all kind of crazy shit cause all, all humans in the 20 mid 21st century are colorblind which explains data's outfit uh-huh um, yeah it's nuclear winter and it's freezing there so they gotta wear these heavy materials like wool i i think it's mostly cool except for cromwell's jacket or except for cromwell's hat, hat yeah. data's whole outfit and that's about it i think everybody else everybody else uh looks looks pretty good one more thing about cromwell while we're talking about him i couldn't help but notice when he's standing next to jonathan frakes who i know is a tall man i know he's mm-hmm. somewhere like in the six, six foot two, range six, three, six, yeah cromwell kind of towers over him cromwell is fucking tall james cromwell i, I looked like it six, up six james cromwell is built a six foot seven oh. six seven yeah, yeah, and so you can that, that will see tower. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, big, he's a big fucking dude. Not smart, but big. <laughs> he doesn't look smart, um, but he is. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alfrey Woodard, uh-huh. man, She's she great. does so much great work and she has such great chemistry with Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. And it's from the jump, like the moment she takes him hostage and like has got that ray gun and like, you know, Stewart's like genuinely terrified that this lady's going to start pushing buttons. Uh-huh. Uh, like I bought every single thing. And sometimes like I feel like uh, like the, the, the lady they got to act at opposite of William Shatner. Like she has to be like pretty tough with them vis-a-vis the whales and whatnot. And like sometimes I don't feel like she completely held her own. Mm-hmm. But like Alfred damn near blows Patrick Stewart off the stage in some of these exchanges. If he doesn't Hell have the goddamn ship and Yeah. No, if if Patrick Stewart doesn't get the scene where he gets to say, uh, you know, the line must be drawn here, this far, no further, that that stuff, then yeah. she might have, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like you have to have someone like Woodard there to make that other the the get Picard that Shakespearean because else it just is ridiculous. I was wondering if this would have worked with Riker. I don't know, because like the thing is, is is, 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 this also felt like a completely natural progression. Like it didn't Mm -hmm. feel like that, like they're they're just screaming. It just started organically happening because Picard um, he's making a bad decision. And he's the one that's usually in calm and control and mm-hmm. sets his emotions aside and his crew will follow him anywhere because they think, but here she can see, no, this guy's fucking compromised, even though your crew can't. Um, yeah. Here, here's why I think this doesn't, this scene doesn't work nearly as well. If Riker were the one pointing out that he's being captain Ahab here, uh-huh. it, it's because he respects Riker too much. He, he Riker would say that in a calm voice. Picard would look out the window for a second. He would turn around and say, let's blow up the ship there there wouldn't be that moment of passion and fire because he trusts Riker to call him when he's wrong. Whereas Plus, some stranger, some person, some, some uh, backward savage from yeah, the 21st like, century. Yeah. They, they haven't even gotten off the planet yet, but hardly they haven't even developed warp drive yet. And she's lecturing him about sensibilities and, and yeah. So when it, he turns around there, I, I both have, a ton of respect for her and a ton of respect for him for making the right call when he sees that he's making the wrong one. Yeah. Um, the other thing I really like that they, uh, they do in this movie is um, the reverence that these people have for Cochran and the, the Phoenix, like, you know, like uh, Picard reaching out and touching it and you know, explaining the data, like, you know, how tactile contact can alter your perception. Mm-hmm. I 
I love it because number one, it seems like it's entirely on brand for this show. Like everyone in the everyone in the future worships like ancient, you know, they're 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 like fucking the worst. They're just like uh NPR yeah. dads and moms, all of them. They just like listen to classical music. They've never heard of rap or rock. Um but like I, I it feels natural and it's such a great pressure cooker for the character that is Zeph from Cochrane, you know, this guy who knows I don't think he thinks he's a fraud, but he comes away thinking he's a fraud after dealing with these people for five minutes, you know, that Mm -hmm. like history's perception, history's glorification of this man who ushered in this new age of humanity, not for the good of anybody, not for um, you make it makes you wonder if like Cochran eventually grows into that role as ambassador for humanity and like this, this great thinker or this is entirely shit that's invented like tall tales. George Washington cutting down apple trees, throwing dollar, you know, silver dollars across the Potomac type of shit. Sure. Uh, I want to say something like that would have kind of forced him to grow a little bit, but it might be a combination of both, you know? Yeah. Meeting aliens for the first fucking time would would tend to humble oneself. Sure. Yeah. And just being in the spotlight, because I mean, once he's on the threshold of of totally altering his life here and he doesn't I don't think he quite understands that. He's just like, he thinks he's going to alter his life by making a bunch of money. What he's really doing is turning himself into a historical figure. And that's the impression that, you know, he gets over the course of this movie is, oh, shit. Yeah, no, that's scary to me because your life changes, right? You can't just be a dude anymore with a bunch of money. You're going to be the guy who invented warp drive. Plus, I feel like that once you make contact with the Vulcans and you join the Fed, like humanity is going to change in light speed at that point. Yeah. Like Cochran wanted to get rich. And what he actually did is usher in a post scarcity scarcity society for the earth. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, like, yeah, like there's you didn't get rich, but there's no more want. Is that the same thing? I don't know. Sort of. Yeah. yeah it's it's, for it's lot, pretty for, close for, yeah it's not for everybody but no for, for not for like rich for people. people uh yeah it's it's about the same for poor people though um it, and the other thing too is they make a point of this like okay this is after the third world war uh the the governments of earth have been just completely sent into chaos uh almost a billion dead yeah 600 million people dead it, so he's kind of taking on a leadership role here as well, right? Like as the person to make first contact as a person to invent warp drive, he's now going to be a sort of de facto political figure to them. Yeah, he will. Yeah. Cause who else do they go to? What, what world government right. is, it wasn't that's the, in shambles. Do you go to, sure, to say, sure. Hey, represent humanity. Well, why not the guy who first shook their hand, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about like, because yeah, you'd usually defer to the president or to the ruling. Right. Guy. Like they they established the pretty slickly. Like they 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 spent uh-huh. a little bit of time on on this script uh, shoring up. Yeah, you, you have to you know you have to just kind of go with the time travel thing. But sure, uh, sure. How? By the way, like I I was um I I can't. How do they get back home? Uh, they slingshot the sun. I, hmm. It's, it's a good question. Like, I, I don't just realized remember. I was paying close attention to taking notes in this movie, but like they just kind of <laughs> about getting back home. 
Like, well, you know, we're going to have wrong because 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 there's also this uh, scene. There's also this uh, late in the movie where Picard had his Ahab moment and he gives uh, I, I can't remember if it's war for Crusher or somebody like standing orders for the crew to find a yeah corner in North Africa and stay out of history's way. He gives it to Lily to deliver in case she that's right, sees that's right. breaks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think she runs into Riker. Um. I kind of want to see that as a Star Trek series. I I think a what if kind of series on Star Trek would be really fucking cool. I would love to see and they'd have to recast everybody, mm-hmm. but I, I would love or maybe they could have the conceit of like the command. Uh, there was a life life uh, uh, lifeboat that had the command crew in it and it, it happened to freak accident just got destroyed. Uh-huh. But I kind of want to see the crew of the Enterprise E live like in a, a what if living out the like like a, a, a couple season arc of like how they or maybe even like um an anthology because like what does yeah. that look like how do you what does it look like to stay out of history not just in the 21st <laughs> century but like you, you're gonna keep having kids or you're gonna just like vow to die out but like check out that, that like in a, like a um uh a for all mankind like every couple like decades like check back in and see what that civilization is doing because i think yeah. that's a fascinating concept Maybe now's a good time to talk about the time travel stuff because. Yeah, let's do it. I love time travel. It's hard to do a time travel story well. I think this is done pretty well, but it ignores some really big things, I think, about the way that they approached getting him onto the ship and they're kind of like hand holding him the whole way. I think it's meant. I think the the Phoenix was meant to be piloted by him, but also include Lily. Yeah, I think Lily's supposed to be in there, yeah. On that first flight. So, are are Riker and LaForge now two people mentioned in the history books for the inaugural flight of the warp drive? Does Cromwell... That's an interesting... Cochran keep that to himself? What? That's an interesting... Because, like, does this Cochran keep that to himself? Right. No matter how drunk he got with the Vulcans that night, <laughs> does he, you right. know, like, I, I, I don't know. Turn on a doobie 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 and he starts uh, damn, talking. Cause, cause there is a photograph of them emerging from the Phoenix, like just people organically taking photographs. There's a photograph of Riker and Jordan and LaForge sheepishly in the background, kind of. Right. You know, like there's got to be. It's like, yeah, Neil Armstrong is kind of the name for landing, the putting a foot on the moon first, but also. He had other people with him, and we know their names. I don't know their names, but someone knows their names. The history books do. But there's just a couple interesting famous photos in history. Like, have you seen that photo of, uh, like, the 12 guys having lunch on a girder on, like, yeah. the 70th floor of a skyscraper in Manhattan? Supposedly like, building the, the Empire State Building, yeah. Yeah, 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 that one. Is, it's, it's famous, super famous. Mm-hmm. Up until, like, five years ago, the names of two of those men were a complete mystery. Huh. All right. Like, they were LaForge and Riker. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. sometimes like and people weren't like even like because like it's just after World War. The records were shit. There's no governments like these men are unknown to history. Yeah. They've just been lost to history. And like probably if if um uh, if that, you know, if another 10, 20 years, because I think it's like someone's great granddaughter, uh, like reckon and like there was some kind of freak thing of like, oh, I didn't know that my granddad is famous. And they, but like if another 10, 20 years, we would have never figured that out. Right. So, like, I, I think now, that's, that's an interesting question. Okay, that brings me to my second point. Uh, Lily. 
Lily got fucked out of history here. Um, she, she got a grand sure tour did. of the future, and that's awesome. Like, I would love to see mm-hmm. the Enterprise and everything, but also, sure, she was probably supposed to be on that ship. And I don't care how many, it, like, let's say <laughs> that Cochran says, yeah, Lily was on board with me. And then you show the pictures of exactly uh-huh. zero women walking out of that ship. And you're uh-huh. like, uh-huh. really? She was? Because we don't see her here. Uh, she's just out of frame. Yeah. Uh, well, she transitioned. It was uh, she. Sure. She went in as a Jordy. She came back as Alfred. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I feel bad for her because she got screwed out of the history books. But also. Got to see the future. That's kind of cool. Usually when people have that kind of deal, they stay. You know, it's right. the uh, Star Trek Four whale researcher lady. I got nothing here for me. You fucked me out of my history books. Least mm-hmm. you can do is take me into the 24th century where I will want for nothing. <laughs> I assume <laughs> they thought that would be too close to because because they were already worried about this being too close to Wrath of Khan with the mm. Ahab stuff and all that. Uh, well, that's Star Trek Four. It's not Star Trek Two. So, oh, is that Star Trek too 4? close to Star Trek Four? Yeah, the 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 voyage home is Star Trek Four. Yeah, no, no, no. I know, but the the Wrath of Khan stuff is where they did the Ahab, uh, you know, from the heart of hell. Oh, the Ahab. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about the lady that went back uh-huh. in in the future with them was from Star Trek Four. Yeah, what I'm saying is, I, I think they were worried that this is so close to Star Trek Two. We don't want to also throw a bunch of Star Trek Four in there, even oh. though. Because they're already got time travel. That's Star Trek Four. That's yeah. close. They don't. They probably didn't want her to go to the future with them for that reason. Because they, they really didn't want to do the Ahab stuff, but it just worked so well. They were like, "Fine, fuck it, we'll do Star Trek." Why did they want to do the Ahab stuff? That's so fucking Picard. I know because I know, they because didn't want to do just because they didn't want to do because like yeah. I I mean this oh that's so that's so stupid because this is so I mean yeah it's basically the same structure of Star Trek Two. Like just thematically, and mm-hmm. that like an old foe returns, but damn, it's nothing like Star Trek, dude. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I do think it's. I'm super glad they kept it in because this Ahab stuff is the perfect cudgel to beat Picard back into his back to his senses. Right, like mm. hit him in the literature. If you're gonna hit yeah. Picard anywhere, it's gonna be in the archaeology it's going to be in the yeah. literature it's going to be in uh-huh. the old classical music she hits yeah. him right where it hurts here and i think it's perfect talk shit about his french wine <laughs> sure. uh, and what's great about it is she she uses moby dick the way your average 21st century american would use moby dick the she way has, i would she use has it no yeah she's, she's like you're just like moby <laughs> dick and he quotes and he's like what the fuck are you talking about he's like moby dick never uh-huh. read it oh it's so great it's so it great is. Uh, all right. Cooler cringe, Jim. Yeah. Beverly Crusher activates the emergency medical holodeck or hologram to defend sick bay against the Borg. So cool. So cool. I love Robert Picardo. I think ding, 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 ding. This is the correct answer. All right. This is, this is, this is cool. You this need a distraction. Cool. It's better than like, I don't know, setting a phaser to self-destruct or something for sure. Mm. And then <laughs> Picardo's playing it. So good. So good. Yeah. He doesn't yeah, know what to do. The, the like, you know, Starfleet Medical Research suggests that the Borg <laughs> suffer from essentially itchy skin because all the Borg implants. So he, he recommends an analgesic cream. I, yeah, I it's, love it's that it's they great. can still find space for comedy in this movie. And there's a, quite a bit of it, too. Mm-hmm. A lot of it comes from the Earth stuff, right? With Deanna getting drunk yeah, and Cromwell running stuff. off and talking about yeah, it, yeah. springing a leak and all that. But 
Ooh, even on the ship spoil, when the in future installments are cringe or cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> even on the ship though, when the Borg are attacking and everybody's in danger, there's mm. still a moment for comedy. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think I also love the, you know, the fact that like, obviously every Starfleet ship probably since may Picard's day on, but maybe even Kirk's day has had an emergency medical hologram. Uh huh. Why have we never seen them before Voyager well, and, this... and Crusher like have that line of like, I swore when I started at start, like when I became a med, I would never use one of these. Like it was like a personal, uh, no matter okay. how bad it got, I would never stoop to use an emergency medical hologram like the <laughs> and, and she's I, I like that. I like that. Well, you had a, you have a different in universe yeah, reason. I was going to say the reality is they hadn't come up with the concept yet. Oh, but yeah, and that's not, they introduced what, it in Voyager and they first thought day as a Star Trek fan, he's going to just point out the absurdity. You're not going to try to retcon this thing. And right. I, I, that's my favorite part about Trek lore is how mm-hmm. sometimes they try to tackle that shit. And I, I thought this was a good, good. Way. Oh, one of those interesting things is so they updated the uniforms for this, right? Made them more militaristic. Yeah. It's now sure. gray shouldered, gray shouldered black jacket with uh, their colors underneath as an undershirt. Mm-hmm. And they took that over to DS9. And they mm-hmm. they made that the uniform there after this movie. Voyager didn't get those uniforms because they're, they're out in they the can't. Delta Quadrant. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just a fucked. small thing that you don't really think about until it's pointed out. And then you go, oh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That probably really appealed to Paramount. Like, so we'll never have to invest in new uniforms, <laughs> new sets, oh, new shuttlecraft. Yeah. Like, this is we're just like, this is it. Season one and we're done. All right. Nice. That's, that's some savings right there. <laughs> um, cringe or cool? Deanna's moment to shine. She tries to out. She she tries to become drinking buddies with Zephyr and Cochran. Cool. It's 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 not necessarily that that idea is so cool, but the way that her and Frakes interact in that scene is just so cute. Oh, Frank, Frank's is legit cracking up at he is. Her, her routine, especially when she starts po- pointing him, like poking him in the chest and stuff. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I wish I had the Blu-ray of this because I bet there's a lot of like cut. I hope so. I hope it's not a bare bones bullshit, but like there's got to be like 50 takes of this of them just like yeah. improving and fucking with the fucking around with each other. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see that. Um, I got to say that I think that like this is probably kind of cringy, but I, I don't know. I love these characters. My my cousin, who bears bears a superficial resemblance to Marina Sirtis, used to slay us at like family gatherings and stuff by doing a pitch perfect impersonation of drunk Deanna. She would just be <laughs> like, "Yeah, we don't have nice. <laughs> there's no time to argue about time. We don't have." And then she did the dramatic hair thing and like, "What are we?" Th-? Yeah. So I, awesome. I fucking I fucking love it. I, this might be the last element of like. Hey, they updated this and that that I have talked about. But mm-hmm. the one thing they didn't update that to me you can't touch is the Elcar system. The Elcar system is still there. Obviously, you know it's there in Voyager, right? Um, mm-hmm. This this is kind of a through line for it's here now. We all use it on our cell phones. Like ours is one, right? I I, I think the Elcar system is so iconic. That it is a huge mistake to have removed it from other Star Treks. I, I think it is the defining what feature Star of Star Trek. Trek. They removed it from. I mean, Discovery doesn't have it, right? Well, I know, I know it's way, way in the future, but huh? Is it way in the future? Way in the past? I think it's both. 
Ah, oh, well, if this I want to say it's it both now. It, like, like if Inter- like if the Star Trek Enterprise did it or one of these prequels, like that's fine. Right, like, right. Yeah, no, Enterprise that is fine. Post next generation, it should it be like ours? Because again, like we found that this is the way. This is the way everything's going to work in the future. Like touch sensitive, <laughs> re- reconfiguring oh, oh, yeah, task yeah. to task. Like sure. it's, yeah, like we're yeah, never that, going back, man. No, it, and I just think it's iconic. It is, to me, the defining mm-hmm. feature of Star Trek. If I look at something and I say, how do I make this look Star Trek? It's the Elkar system. Go with the Elkars, 100%. I have a question. Why would Dr. Crusher, um, leading her team out of sickbay, why would they pop out of a Jeffrey tube tunnel outside of main engineering of all places? Am I, do I need to look at a Star Trek technical manual? A, a I don't have layout? one for a sovereign class, but holy fuck, is the sick bay really that close to main engineering? It seems like a bad idea to be that close yeah. to the main reactor and potential, you know, like I thought that shit would be in the saucer section, to be honest. Uh, so. you know, it takes a lot of a lot of power to produce the red and the blue like <laughs> the, the centrifuges required to get that are that's fast. True. And and thirsty. That's true. Um, another another cooler cringe, and this is a tricky one. The Borg Queen, uh, both conceptually Ooh. and how they pulled it off. Ooh, Th- this might be, this might be the one. I, it's it's cool. It's cool. Mm. <laughs> there are it's cool Al- elements. It's, Al- it's cool. Alice Coolidge. I I don't know because okay when when we're first introduced to the Borg Queen, Mm -hmm. conceptually it's very cool. Uh, I I I think the concept gets a little more what the fuck as you go through this movie, but you're hit with this idea of like a cybernetic life form that's sort of loaded and docked into a suit, and it's just a really cool looking thing. But then you see the graphics, and in 1996 they were fine. In 2021, they're not fine. They actually look pretty bad. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, the 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 initial moment where you meet her is kind of cool. The rest of it, I I I guess I like how seductive she is to Data, but also I don't think conceptually I like the idea of an entity that is this individualized. That's that's where so this this is a thing that you do if you're never this is the supernova of the Borg and you're going to go out with this major motion picture and you want a personified antagonist and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it really does do a lot of damage to the biological and technological distinctiveness of the Borg. It gives them a personality and that is antithesis, the antithesis of the Borg to me. A hundred percent. Like if, if they had like an individualized spokesperson, why did they need Locutus? Like it, it retroactively yeah. makes a lot of stuff make less sense. And going forward, the Borg was so much less cool. And they, they, they just got really overexposed on Voyager. Like when Jane, yeah, yeah. take on four cubes at a time, get the fuck <laughs> out of here. But like, yeah, this, they, they, they should have, they should have said, this is the apex of the Borg. And then the Borg Queen's going to be dead, and I guess that kills all the Borg everywhere, and we'll never have to worry about them. But they were halfway through a Borg series, yeah. They just spent $40 million <laughs> building a lot of cool Borg uniforms and Borg sets and perfecting sure. Borg, and, and Voyager is over there like, fuck yeah, we, we get some real <laughs> villains, boys. 
And, you know, seven of nine is sex in a can, literally. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is history. But yeah, I think it's I think it's only cool if this was going to take out the Borg and the Borg will never because like this. Yeah. This is it. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah, it's kind of cool. But like, yeah, the, the fact that they made this was the beginning of the end for the Borg as serious villains. Kind of cringe. Kind of cringe. Yeah, I, I like what they do with her and Data. I just don't think it's a oh, yeah. Borg thing. Yeah, um, that is like I said, that's very cool. The whole seduction of uh, yeah, uh, the whole seduction making of him a real boy, and there's a cool like like data goes to different stages where like you know he's got his emotion chip turned off and he's just openly taunting them. You know, like you can't fucking you know I'm uh, you can't fucking uh, bust me up, assimilate me, and you're not gonna you're never gonna prevail and all. That. And then they turn his emotion chip on. He's kind of shit in his pants and feeling flash for the first that stuff is all all pretty good yeah they're uh, able it, it's it's crazy because this you know collective is able to give him come closer to giving him the thing that he wanted than even humanity was able to right even though he could mm-hmm. observe humanity and mimic them they were not able to technically give him a way to be more human and that's what they were offering so it's hugely seductive yeah they give uh I really like one of my favorite moments in this movie because I've always been a big Jordy LaFord fan. Uh, always like technical geeks. Always like guys that uh, maybe started off struggling with women. Um, <laughs> I like I like how they kind of do his natural like they sell his engineer's love of a ship uh, when he's using a telescope to you know prove that they're spacemen and you know he's just kind of it's it's a small thing but he's looking through the telescope he's like ah there she is beautiful you know, like Levar he's enthusiastic about this as only Levar Burton can be. Uh-huh. And I fucking love it. Yeah. Uh, like he's got a, he's got a whole meal sequence with Cochran later. That's like, you know, about his, that he does a great job, but like, this is to me, this is the Jordy moment in the film, him just yeah. admiring the beauty of his ship. No, I like it. Uh, all right. I got a cringe or cool for you. Okay. It, this might be the only Star Trek movie that does this, but was it cringe or cool when, Zephram Cochran says you're going on some kind of Star Trek dude this was the next installment and unfortunately uh, the judges are saying this is cringe <laughs> this is cringe this is one of the big cringes but the thing is it's like I don't because like I don't remember too many movies doing the what is this some kind of Star Trek what is this some kind of ga- galaxy or garden what is this <laughs> like what is this some kind of Justice League I don't remember I feel like this might have been a trope starter or at least a trailblazer so I don't think it came across nearly as cringe in 96 as it does now. That this I think is you're just right. Like, this feels hack. And I don't think it was hack back in the day. Maybe not. It might, it might be. It's definitely cringe. I think it's, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't have encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek, but it might be the only Star Trek movie where they say Star Trek. I think so. It has to be because Star Trek is not like something, you know, that's like the name of the show. It's not like. Right. <laughs> You know, our our six our our, our five year Star Trek is yeah. to, no, it's, it's not just a mission. Uh, here's another another uh, cringe or cool. <laughs> the Borg Queen telling Data, "Was it good for you?" <laughs> cringe. It's it, cringe. The scene's great. Uh-huh. Like, why do we need to do this, dear Pintow shit? Yeah. Like, we get it. It's actually interesting. It's adult. And the fuck Star Trek is so fucking juvenile. It can't help but wink at the, the camera. Yeah. You know, and Spider's playing it like he's going to have to change his pants afterward. Yeah. 
Right. He's going to leak some some uh, positronic fluid. But <laughs> yeah, and, and that that's even fine because, you know, it's Data's like it's like his first kiss, first everything all wrapped, first having human skin all wrapped up in one. Mm-hmm. I just thought that line delivery is like, oh, my God, like this this slimy board queen is too sexy. We got to turn down the heat by having her do some fucking, you know, weird science era pickup line. Yeah. Uh, okay, this isn't really uh, cringe or cool. This is just basic Star Trek um, nerd um, whining. It's beyond lame that the Borg don't attack until there's an obvious threat. Like, maybe the first few times you meet and you let a few of these monkeys run around your cube because what are they, body lice? Yeah. But like, damn, man. <laughs> they At no point in this movie do they ever, are they, they ever the ones that take the first action even though the Borg Queen is here and she can commit, like, mm-hmm. that just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. This movie you've been over in three different places if they just go ham as soon as they see these guys show up. Let me ask you this. Why is the Borg Queen here? Because this is the most important thing she's ever had to do, this personal grudge against Lacute. That's really that's species number four, one, eight, Dude. seven, nine, six on their chart is the most important. Th- Why? Because of Lacutus? It's the way she acts like Peg Bundy with uh, uh, like uh, she she treats Picard coming into engineering like Peg Bundy's treating now coming home at two o'clock in the morning from a bowling date. You mm-hmm. know, like there is levels of like scorn and yeah. hostility that this person just shouldn't have towards this other person. No, she's on her own Ahab mission, I think. Like, yeah, and Picard it doesn't make a, it doesn't make oil. a lot of sense um except for i don't know like they always make humans as the exception right like we are always sure. you know we're uniquely to thor yeah, in, Q in the is yeah, all about yeah. humans yeah exactly like we're they're just obsessed with us we're mm-hmm. just that that interesting another uh, borg borg thing happening here mm-hmm. uh is picard it just yeah, I know he's on his Ahab mission here. I know he doesn't really care about his crew in this moment, but when he tells his other crew members not to hesitate to kill assimilated crew members, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of wild to me because he was just brought back from assimilation. He knows people can be brought, it can be rehumanized after the, mm-hmm. the board get them. Mm-hmm. He's just like, nah, fuck them. Kill them. Don't hesitate. Don't even think about how we can bring them back just like they brought me back. I mean, there's a dark interpretation, which is he kind of wishes his crew had done the same to him. Like yeah. every waking moment. I think that's it. Like he's uh, he's kind of traumatized and that like he's like they did like, you know, he's still the stiff upper lip captain. But like my right. crew did me no favors by rescuing me. Um, I don't think that they, that's what they intended. Um, but yeah, it does seem pretty fucking cold blooded that uh but it also <laughs> makes a lot of sense like you know his he knows the, the torture of him being unborgified are pretty, pretty I, I, uh, I think that it's not it's not that it's super dark that he wouldn't have wanted to come back um mm-hmm. because I, th- I think he is glad that he's a human again but also mm-hmm. there's an element of like if we don't prevail here it's better that they be dead than be oh, a Borg forever, right? On, yeah, because because yeah, that's his yeah. nightmare. He doesn't want to be a Borg again, and he knows that those people would be stuck as Borg, and that would be horrible. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it's almost a mercy Cause thing. Because that's the thing is like through Picard, we know canonically, like you retain some sort of your awareness the entire time you're a Borg. Yeah. 
And that's pretty fucking, you know, for Star Trek, it's pretty fucking grim dark. <laughs> um, here's something absolutely cool. Everything about the sp- outer space combat, like the hand to hand melee shit that they get up to on the deflector dish is so cool. And it makes me always question why, why, why did they not have spacesuits in the original Star Trek? I know it would have been kind of expensive to have, but like, mm-hmm. It, the, the suits themselves don't cost any the, very much. You can do a lot just like hanging people against like, you know, your essentially black star drop that you use for the static shots outside of windows. Like it opens up a lot of possibilities. And I never understood why they didn't have spacesuits. And it's they, they do a really good spacesuit fight in here. They do. This is one of those. Why don't they just moments? Um, mm. We know that the shuttlecraft have transporter capabilities. Why don't they just take a shuttlecraft out there and transport the Borg into deep space? It's a good question. My only thought would be like they're cut off from the shuttle bay or the Borg has cut power. Everything's having to be ran manually. So like they, they wouldn't be able to do that, but maybe I'll give them that. Um, I guess it does give like, it's cool. You can see Worf uses Klingon blades and he gets uh-huh. a tear in his suit and he fucking tourniquets it off with the, with like the jugular of a Borg. And, and even Picard gets to show that he's a fucking got the big brain. He, mm-hmm. you know, the Borg have adapted. So he shoots the hull. So they TIL, the enterprise apparently can't stop a hull leak with a force field <laughs> or anything like that thing is just going to leak for the rest of the movie, I guess. But yeah. it's it's cool. It's cool. Pat Picard clicking his maglock maglocks off and doing free flight uh, to get over Borg. Like that shit was was cool. There's a little bit of like, what are you doing, Picard? You're taking too many risks here. And I know it's the Ahab thing, right? But the moments yeah. ago, he said, "Don't shoot this deflector array because it has its anti-proton charge could sure. blow up half the ship or whatever." Yep. And then he does. He proceeds to do exactly that. He shoots right at the thing. It uh, was well. But but are you talking about like the the disconnect it from the ship? No, I'm talking about to blow uh, that Borg off of the the hole. He shoots I right guess. at the thing and then blows a hole in it. Um, Does he blow a hole in the deflector? Is it like the hull around the deflector? It is the deflector, isn't it? It's just really freaking close. Whatever it is, it's really close to where he told them it's too risky to shoot these things because we might hit the the thing. Yeah, uh, he does that, and then he takes wrong. a huge risk. And granted, it's only with his own life. But when he does that anti-grav space spin across the mm-hmm. top of the, the deflector array. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, you missed that. Picard's gone. You missed oh, that yeah. grab. And you're <laughs> fucked and you're, you're relying on Worf to, to come back and 1v3 these guys. 1v4 now because uh, yeah. this is where Lieutenant or uh, Ensign Hawk uh, checks out. Right, that's cool. Um, I like that. Cooler cringe. Hmm. Worf looking right into Cameron saying assimilate this cringe pretty cringe yeah i, yeah, I thought it, it was cool when i was a kid uh-huh. but like pretty 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 cringe i don't i don't think warp says that yeah uh, uh here's a fun thing i noticed on this watch through the movie and now i'll never be able to not see it at the one hour and one minute mark there is a part where the borg are re-engaging data's hand shackles mm-hmm. and he like swings the lock over data's wrist and then he pats it the Borg pats the lock the way when you shut a when you shut a trunk, you like pat the top of the trunk to make sure it's shut. It, and it's such an obviously human thing to do. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I fucking love I'm telling you, go to the hour. It's like one hour, one minute and 30 seconds. This guy just patty cakes the lock and it's hilarious. 
It's hilarious that a Borg's doing that. One of those locks, I think it's on his left hand, looks uh-huh. reminds me so much of the things that they pull down over you on the roller coaster. And they do that yeah. exact motion too, right? They pull it down and then they give it a little like jiggle, mm-hmm. the little mm-hmm. pat to make sure it's there. Maybe they were just mm-hmm. doing that. It is a roller coaster. Can we get a thing. safety check on Data's left arm, please? Uh-huh. Can we? Can we? Okay. Um, yeah, that's the scene where Data wrecks some more shop. He busts free, snaps a couple more necks, and but that's a. I think that's a great scene where he gets his his uh, arm scratched, and he can't fucking handle it. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense because it's like you know babies scream when they take the most minor damage because for everything that hurts on a baby is the worst they've ever hurt in their life. You know, like sure, I, I'm convinced that if you took a 35 year old man and you made sure that he lived a life and he's never skinned his knee and he falls down and skins his knee for the first time, he's gonna ball like a baby because <laughs> like why wouldn't you? Like I, I actually thought that was really cool sure. that like a person who's never dealt with pleasure or pain or anything is dealing with all this. And it's almost incapacitating. Picard turning on Worf. Worf is actually a, sneaky, the third most important character in, in this film. Uh, he's got uh, a, a great little arc. Um, and he's like, you know, this is the this is the clearest sign yet that Picard has lost the fucking plot. That of all people, Worf is yeah. saying this is a hopeless military situation. There's nothing left to do, but abandon ship and take as many of these bastards out with us as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And Picard is just in complete reality. It is such a fucking, if you're a star Trek fan from a long time and you go back yeah. to these guys from the Chaud each days, mm-hmm. Picard cow- calling him a fucking coward. <laughs> I remember like there's <laughs> gasps in the audience, man. Yeah. And then Worf's like, if you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Like, it's so that line is goddamn cool. good. Yeah. No, oh, it's incredible. So and, and, and then, you know, the other shoe dropping, right, where he realizes his mistake and comes back and apologizes sincerely to him and tells him, yeah, you're the bravest man I've ever known. That's that. That's a tearjerker moment. That's that gets you right in the feels if you're a longtime Trek fan. Oh, it's it's great. And the handshake. Um, yeah. I also really like Alfred Woodard's uh, epic hand to Crusher's face when she, she's like, wait, are you we're just going to stay here and fight this dude? And Crusher's like, well, you know, it's the captain. He's made it. For, she's like, Psh, and just goes right in to go steamroll Picard. It's, yeah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene is great. I, I love what they're doing with Picard here, too, because they early on, they're like, you know, when Alfred Woodard, when Lily comes up to the ship and she is like, um, Boy, you must not get home much if you're out gallivanting around the stars and so far away. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, I've come mm-hmm. to think of the ship as my home. And then the Borg start taking over, right? And you understand Picard's not going to let this happen because the ship is his home. Castle like, doctrine. He has no duty to retreat. And and he knows that this is the last stand of humanity, too. I, I mean, there's a little bit of like you it's can understand all, yeah. why Picard is is going it's, so hard here it's it's a home invasion it's also the alamo times a trillion oh, you right. know like it's like literally this is for all the marbles and it's also your yeah it's yeah it, like this i don't know if they, this is an accident or what because god helped these guys they can't write a movie script to save your life but like everything just fucking works like yeah even all those those thematic things lining up and you know they got really mm-hmm. great actors um just just and yeah, it's pretty every complex choice in this movie works off yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's layered every... it's not simple yeah. and it all plays well and, and pays off in the end mm-hmm. uh even like 
they established like Picard saying we need to target these like uh, plasma cooling conduits early on because it'll dissolve organic flesh. Like that's such a great checkoffs. Um, right. Plasma coolant conduit because mm-hmm. you'd forgotten that by the time. But then, you know, when data is resist resistance is futiles and smashes it like you instantly are like, oh, yes. fuck, I know what's going to happen. This is going to completely destroy the Borg. Data is going to be fine. Uh-huh. And, and Picard might an be epic- killed. Picard, this yeah, and this this might go down. Um, and it's such an epic shot, data coming out of that soup, and like half of his face is terminated, yes. and his hands all terminated, and he grabs the queen and brings her back. It's uh, it it it's great, and they also set up like so many great things, like um, you know, Picard's special affection for data, like uh, early in the mm-hmm. season, like he would get so irritated by data's uh pedantry, ped- pedantry. Yeah, but here it's like you know when Data is trying to do the feeling of the Phoenix, and you know, like, and Data is just like, I just don't get it. I'm feeling these micro fractures and the titanium, and Picard just kind of <laughs> got his hands clo- eyes closed. And he just smiles because he loves Data, and yeah. this is Data, and you know, he's no longer annoying. He's like, you wouldn't want him any other way, right? So yeah, Picard going back and and sacrificing himself potentially for his friend. You know, that's what it's the only thing in Picard that really works is the idea that. You know, Data and Picard have a special relationship um, going back from Picard ha- being forced to defend his, you know, sentience in, in, the, in a Federation sure. trial. It's great. All this stuff uh, works. It is. Uh, I really like it. Oh, let me give you one more cringe or cool. All right. You broke your little ships. It's cool. It's the perfect. It's the perfect flat delivery because uh, uh, you can't escalate. You can't escalate from Picard's. You know, oh, no. the, the the line must be drawn here. That's such. That's that's such a meme in our like every fucking oh, yeah, board game, dude. Every fucking board game <laughs> before the yeah. dice are rolled. Uh, You'd be get packed into Australia playing playing uh, Risk, and the line must be uh, drawn to Perth or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I let him. I let him take Europe, and I fell back. Mm-hmm. I let him take Asia, and I fell back. <laughs> All the way in Austria. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's. I think it's it's good. It's good. I do too. And it takes uh, you know, like Picard's temper tantrum, and shows it out for what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I fucking love the design of the Phoenix. Someone should get a fucking medal for making a recognizably Star Trek looking nacelle thing fit into like an ICBM delivery system like those. Yeah. Like I remember I almost clapped when those nacelles f- f- folded out because mm-hmm. I'm like, what is this? What kind? I, I saw it. And it looks like it looks like almost like a Battlestar Galactica ship, you know, and I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this? But when it like yeah. blows its hatch and those things fold out fucking is the tits the thing i love about this the most is that it feels like the old days of rocketry where a a, a rocket ship was mm-hmm. was just a, a tiny ass cockpit strapped to a huge bomb right like a yeah. fucking nuclear level explosion pretty much yeah and this harkens back to that. This thing is a cockpit that can fit three people barely on top of a warp core and two nacelles. That is it. There is nothing. Yeah. There are no creature comforts in this thing whatsoever. It's kind There's of amazing. No anti-gravity. We still have to spin the whole rocket worth of Delta V to get this fucker in order. Right? Yeah. It's, I think it's this such a is a great bridge. 
It is. Yeah. This is to me feels like where Enterprise's head was at trying to get to mm-hmm. that level, like that era of, of, you know, stellar travel. Yeah. Um, I feel like they but they it nailed up. it they here. Made, they, they, made, they made it seem too futuristic. But yeah, if they could have found yeah. a baby step for me between here and the old series, which kind of looked a little erector uh-huh. Like, I, I think they, 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 they could have had something, but uh, cringe or cool. Whatever the fuck is going on at the hoses in engineering? <laughs> I, are those not Borg hoses? Are those like sentient, like semi-sentient Borg controlled hoses? I, I, so what I think this has always been my head cannon. Here's the two things that, that, that could, I don't know. Yeah. If it's, it's the Borg <laughs> trying to, to, to attack, you know, the, the Borgified enterprise, uh-huh. there's two things that make sense. Back in the old series movies, they had this conceit where the engineering guys wore these like full costumes that could quickly have like a hood put over them and like an oxygen hose snapped into them. And it makes a lot of fucking sense when you're working with an antimatter reactor mm-hmm. that, you know, you might have to do work in the vacuum of space that you would have like these functional engineering kind of like radiation suits and stuff. And like if they were still doing that in engineering and these hoses came down as like an automatic clip into the emergency systems of the, the ship gotcha. makes a lot of sense. If there is in case of flesh eating plasma dispensed like grappling cables that come down so crew can grab on them and climb to safety. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But the way these things are animated, they do feel like some kind of malevolent Borg thing coming down to fuck with the card. Yeah. No, it's always been my head cannon that they were they were coming down to get him like and like snakes just, and, he, right? and he just, he's just like fuck this I'm gonna climb you uh, yeah. but I think everyone overlooks it because hot Picard uh, Patrick Stewart sure put on a fucking Without, gun show in this scene he progressively so. strips throughout this movie I love it it's hilarious it's yeah, like he's, predator he's, right or or die hard sure like, t- if he takes off his boots he's John McClane in this final scene yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> barefoot uh, and dress pants and the and, and the uh, a-frame wife beater Feder- federation issued wife beater <laughs> sure oh uh, another thing about this scene with the the organic tissue eating cloud mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. what do they do to data's eye because when data comes out and you're talking about you know the terminator look mm, that he's got yeah his eye is gone too now it's just a flat surface yeah yeah just flat metal or whatever he's made of um does that mean there's normally organic tissue on Data's eyes? I think so. I would think those would be ceramic or something. Well, no, but, it, uh, it means that the Borg have replaced his non-organic eye material because oh, one of his eyes is fine. So the Borg right. have done something to his eye as well. You're right. God damn, I'm going to have to go back and watch that scene again because you're, you're, you're right. Uh, Otherwise, that it wouldn't is have. Not how I would design a. That was not how I would design a cyborg eye. No, it'd be like if it, it'd no. be like if his teeth were eaten away too, and they yeah. just have like metal stubs. Like, wouldn't you just put like fake teeth in the robot's head? You know, like you'd think so. Yeah, wouldn't you have like a glass eye or something in the robot's body? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, wild. I didn't think they were organic. Uh, but yeah, man, that pun- yeah, data reaching out like uh, and and pulling the Borg Queen and the Borg Queen's getting dissolved and was a fitting like fuck yeah death because it looked painful and slow and definitive. Yeah. And then of course Picard doing the neck snap and yeah, th- this is this is an easy one. This is the easiest easiest uh, cringe or cool you're ever going to get. Data's uh, thinking about betraying the Federation. Uh, very cool. 
very cool. I fucking that whole such sequence. a great because you think he's just like being honest about it, and he kind of is, but like you know mm-hmm. that you know even for uh, he's like thought about it for like three nanoseconds or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I think that's that, that's great. It's great delivery. It is. Um, I, I've seen it so many times. I know the lines he's going to deliver, but they still yeah. work, even though I know what's coming. Yeah, it's too bad because it would have been that much stronger had he not given away the farm with the to hell with these orders earlier on in the movie. But uh, what are you going to do? Uh, it's damn near perfect Star Trek movie. It is. I've got one more question for you before we get out of here. Hit I, me. Or before I'm pretty much done talking about it. Although I could Hit probably me. talk for another hour on this. Oh, for sure. All right. You've heard of the Prime Directive, correct? Uh, it, I've heard. I've I've heard it talked about. Sure. All right. As a refresher for people, the Prime Directive prohibits Starfleet from interfering in the development of any pre-warp civilization, right? That's that's in a mm-hmm. nutshell. Can't do it. How does that apply to a pre-warp Earth? Do they break the Prime Directive here? Man, it's a gray area, even without thinking about it too much, because this was supposed to be Earth's being post-warp. And the Borg mm-hmm. are interfering with the natural development of the Earth. So, like, so they're breaking to the Prime that, Directive to to preserve the Prime. Hmm. Because that's the thing is, like, the Borg are all are, the Borg are the ones interfering with the timeline. Mm-hmm. And Picard cleaning it up doesn't strike me like like it's like the least harmful thing, I guess. Especially since like yeah the importance of earth to the federation can't be understated like it, probably their whole rest of the federation falls to the borg but, oh yeah you know, so like i think I mean, it, well if, if, if there's the, a time to break if there's a time to skirt close to breaking the prime directive like picard will go on to break the prime directive next movie just because he's got uh teenage blood in him and he's horny and he thinks the <laughs> the, the, right. the planet lady is hot so like he does break the, it often yeah yeah saving all of humanity and probably the federation too Probably, well, probably definitely could, the Federation. The Federation so. never would have started, right? If because if, it started on Earth. Well, no, because I think I thought the Vulcans were kind of like the founding fathers of the of the Federation, and you know they had already. Well, had we never would have met the Vulcans, like the Andorians, and right, right, right. You're right. We That's the thing. Joined. So it, it makes but total without, sense that they are because in this movie, it's very clear that they are observing the Prime Directive. Right? They know about our civilization, but they're not interested yeah. because we haven't done warp flight yet. And the thing yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. them interested and come down to our planet is that warp signature so yeah uh we you know whatever whatever spawned the federation was clearly either influenced or was the vulcans based on this yeah because they they observed the prime directive before we did yeah it actually makes me wonder and i don't know if this is a this was addressed in enterprise i don't know how the hell earth got the fucking seat of the federation right like it does seem like we're one of we the, convinced them logically up- we we said oh we're, <laughs> yeah. we're most central nah, or the- we pulled some ferengi <laughs> shit we we threw a temper <laughs> tantrum we did bring the vulcans like you know we just don't care as much as they do let them have yeah, it They're it's logical emotional. to not yeah, deal with yeah. this bullshit <laughs> yeah we, they are i think i think the the vulcans are the mommies and daddies of the federation mm-hmm. <laughs> we're the we're the screaming man children uh yeah i love this movie happy 25th anniversary to it it's i've probably seen this movie 20 30 times now yeah one of my all-time favorite uh, movies it is still super entertaining very quotable 
great. It's like it's the best movie if you're just a big TNG fan that like every mm-hmm. whoever is your favorite's got a moment to shine yep. where they can be funny or be cool. And uh, it's a real showcase for Picard, Data and Worf. But everybody's got a little little something to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, if they brought back Rolaren, I would have like that would be that's just that'd just be perfect. You know, Again, yeah. we, but we got Barkley. So pretty cool. Uh, that's it. I hope you guys have enjoyed our nostalgic look back at Star Trek First Contact. Uh, also, if you are a Star Trek fan and you didn't know, every Sunday at 8 p.m., me and Jim sit down on twitch.tv slash bald move and we watch a Star Trek Next Generation classic episode. We're uh, in the early goings of season five right now. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can come, you can show up and watch the thing synchronized. You can watch the thing. You can watch our commentary. It's all synchronized. Uh, it's easy peasy. Hang out with the cool community of Bald Move. It's a lot of it's it's a good time. So if you're a Trek fan uh, or a science fiction fan, uh, check out those Sci-Fi Sunday streams, 8 p.m. Eastern every Sunday. Of course, we'll probably have some fun, you know some some aberrations of the holidays and all that coming up. Mm-hmm. But uh, but check it out. Uh, I think you'd really enjoy it. Uh, that's it. We'll see you with another uh, pulp series or prestige film very soon. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you, everybody.